Alright, Philippians 1, 15-18. When filming a scene, actors will sometimes approach their director and ask, What's my motivation? They are wondering why their character would say or behave in the way that is scripted. What is it that's causing the action or the emotion? Because knowing their character's motivation will assist them in acting intensely and realistically. And Paul speaks to us about motivation in our next portion of Philippians chapter 1. He's been talking about the preaching of Christ and his confidence in the master plan of God to bring men to salvation. He's explaining how God has a specific plan for each of us and is orchestrating our lives in such a way uh, that we will accomplish his will in even the most mundane of situations. But now he takes a moment to speak to us about what the driving force behind our spiritual lives is, especially when it comes to what he calls preaching Christ. And so beginning in first verse 15, we read this. Paul says, Some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice." We see a lot here in these few verses about preaching Christ. Now what we need to do this morning is set aside the idea that we may have that preaching Christ is only what evangelists or pastors do behind a podium. And because every Christian is given the privilege of preaching Christ through their words and through their behavior, each of us are charged with command to go and make disciples throughout the world. We're given that command by Jesus Christ. We make disciples by telling others about who Jesus is, what he has done, and why they need him. That is preaching. That's preaching Christ. And so for a Christian, simply living is preaching because everything we do is a testimony for Jesus Christ. And so Paul's comments here are not meant only for a few individuals who prepare sermons, but they are meant for all believers everywhere. And so we can learn from them this morning. In our text, there are four different categories we might find ourselves in when it comes to preaching Christ. Four different mindsets that will affect our Christian life dramatically. They all deal with the motivation behind our action as believers. The first category is not specifically listed, but should nevertheless be mentioned. That is the category of those believers who are without motivation. These are Christians who have not taken up the call to discipleship. Instead, they're stalled in their walk with God. They're the ones that sit back while God moves, and they do nothing. They're spiritually inanimate. They're not taking part in God's work. They're not taking part in God's grace. They're not taking part in anything. Sort of just sitting on the road on their walk with the Lord. They're kind of like the tribes of Israel there and Joshua who refused to conquer their inheritance in Canaan. They sat back and they watched a couple other tribes do what they were charged to do, but instead they sat inanimate and did nothing. Now, in America, I believe this category not to be... uh, to be not only possible, but actually I think this category is quite popular in the church at large. And the reason is, I think, because it doesn't really have to cost us very much to be a Christian here in the States. We're not under persecution. You know, if you're in the underground church in China, let's say, or or Pakistan or Iraq, you know, you don't really have much time to just sit back and not be an active Christian. You don't have time to just sort of be a you know, blasé Christian that just is a pew potato because they're beating you and killing you unless you renounce Christ and things like that. 
But here in the States, we're not under persecution. We have a huge amount of freedom. We have great wealth and luxury. And those aren't bad things, don't get me wrong. However, those blessings, both in our own personal histories and in the Bible, those blessings tend to produce complacency in our lives if we're not diligent to keep moving forward with the Lord. You look in the scriptures and when God's people aren't diligent to keep moving forward in their relationship with the Lord, when blessing comes, complacency also sets in very often. In this letter, Paul is talking about getting from point A, salvation, to point B, completion. A person is not going to experience the full completion of Jesus Christ if they refuse to walk forward with him. Jesus is about progress in our lives. He's about growth. He's about going somewhere and accomplishing something. And if we refuse to walk with him, then we're not going to experience that full completion that he wants for us. If we refuse to go and to grow, which is our choice to make, then we're going to find that our lives have been quite literally wasted on temporal things. Second category of motivation is listed in verses 15 and 16. Let me read that to you. First half of verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and strife. Drop down to 16. They preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. There were those who felt that they were in competition with Paul. This category of people were preaching Christ. They were doing ministry, but they were doing it for selfish ambition and for pride and for personal glory and gain. More than that, they were hoping to actually hurt Paul as he suffered in prison. They were trying to one-up him and show him how much more important they were than he. Unfortunately, this is not a problem that was unique to Paul, and it's not a problem that has gone away over the centuries. As we live out the Christian life, as you live out the Christian life, you're going to find that there are other believers out there who are trying to push you down so that they can build themselves up. We'll talk about how to spot those people and then how to deal with them in a minute. But first, our desire is to figure out if we as individuals are headed for that category and what we should do about it. When we evaluate our motivation in the Christian life, we should search very carefully for pride and for selfish ambition, for self-glorification. Because those characteristics are not compatible with the model of Jesus Christ. They just aren't. They're not compatible with the filling of the Spirit. Yet, I would dare to say that they are the most frequent and the most persistent shortcomings that we find within our hearts. You know, um, above above many things, the human heart is proud, and and we need to to search that out and, and deal with it. Our desire is to serve the Lord, of course, but if we couple that with a desire to glorify ourselves, then we're perverting the biblical ministry. Getting free from this craving for personal recognition or personal fame is incredibly challenging, but we must do it day by day if we want to be fully complete in Jesus Christ. There's a number of reasons why that we could talk about, but here are just two. The first reason is that God will not share his glory. This is a principle we see over and over again in the scriptures. Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus 9 are the prime examples of this principle. But really throughout the entire Bible we find that if we try to take any part of God's glory, the result has to be judgment immediately or in the future. Second reason we need to cut this stuff out of our lives is because when we are motivated by a desire for personal glory or for personal fame, we will inevitably attack our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's just what happens. When we try to build something up for ourselves and steal the Lord's glory and, and you know, try to take that for ourselves, then we end up 
trying to take from other Christians so that we can have it for ourselves. We become ministry thieves, as it were. And this kind of motivation leads to a very strange spiritual cannibalism which hurts the body of Christ in unimaginable ways. Um, you see this sometimes at the church level when it seems like churches, you know, they, they get more focused on taking Christians from other churches than they are in reaching out for the lost. And that's that sort of spiritual cannibalism we're talking about. The third category of motivation that we see in this passage is what Paul called goodwill. Back in verse 15 there, second half, and then in verse 17. He says, Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. They preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Now this category is an interesting one, as, we thought, as I thought about it this week. Uh, when you compare the different translations, it seems to indicate that this group of people, they were preaching with pure motives, they were preaching out of love, but it seems as though their efforts were focused more on Paul. Their desire was to assist him and to encourage him. They saw what was going on in his life and then seemed to, de to dedicate their service and their attention toward him. And again, their motive was love, but it seems like it was more love for Paul than it necessarily was love for the lost. Now, uh, I don't want to criticize this group too much, we, but we do want to focus our hearts the way that Jesus did. We want to be motivated in our faith the way that he was. Not only focused on how we can encourage other believers, but we need to also be focused on how we can extend a lifeline to the lost who are only moments away from an eternity in hell. You know, we need to be focused on the fact that the people around us could die at any moment, and that's it. It's appointed for man once to die and then judgment, and we have the ability to extend them a lifeline, to extend them hope, to save them from an eternity in hell. Now that Christ-modeled motivation is the fourth category, and it's demonstrated by Paul. He said this in verse 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. The Apostle Paul was focused on his calling. He was motivated by the Spirit of God. He wasn't motivated by selfish ambition. He wasn't motivated by trying to make sure other Christians around him were happy or encouraged. He was motivated by the Spirit of God. Throughout this whole section, Paul is pointing out how important it is to be confident in where God has placed you, to be confident that he desires to accomplish his will there where he has placed you. And because Paul knew that, he was in the place that God wanted him to be and he was able to rise above the attacks from you know, the carnal Christians and he was able to rise above the discouragement of being imprisoned and he was able to see heaven's perspective with heavenly urgency. He lived completely above the pettiness of life and in the spiritual contentment that Jesus offers each of us. And this is where we want to be because the Holy Spirit is concerned with saving the lost, which is good. And the Holy Spirit is concerned with encouraging other Christians, which is also good. The Holy Spirit is concerned with doing the right thing the right way. The Holy Spirit's got it covered as far as ministry goes. And so if the Holy Spirit is our motivation in our life, and if the Holy Spirit is our fuel and our guidance in our life, then we're going to accomplish all of those things, and we're going to avoid the negative things. And now we're on the fast track to being men who are dynamically used by God in His timing for His glory, not our own. But what about those divisive folks back in category number two? Did Paul really say that he was excited about their ministry and about their attitude? Not really. I mean, he rejoiced that Christ was preached. That's what he was rejoicing about. 
that people were hearing about the Lord. Obviously, he understood that these divisive glory hounds were very dangerous. They weren't going to receive a, an invite to teach at any of the churches he founded anytime soon. But since he was right in the middle of God's will, and since he understood that his chains were of Christ, not of men, his ministry was of Christ, not of men, his location was of Christ, not of men, then he didn't have to be afraid of these carnal Christians who were trying to hurt him. And he was able to rejoice in the fact that God was accomplishing his good work despite their sinfulness. God was furthering the good news of salvation despite the fact that men were trying to profit from it. What they were doing was wrong, but God, by his grace, could work in spite of that sin. Now, of course, this would lead us to the famous question and answer, should we sin that grace may abound? Well, God forbid. That's what Paul said. But it's encouraging to know that the work of Christ is not hamstrung by our shortcomings. Yes, these guys were really blowing it, and you know we never want to be categorized with those people who are seeking their own personal glory and their own personal fame you know, by using the name of Jesus. But the truth is, God looks at that situation and he says, you know what, I can work in spite of that shortcoming. I can work in spite of that sinfulness. And that's an encouraging thought to me because I have my own set of shortcomings and sins and the Lord does not stop his work simply because I'm imperfect. The, we are sinners, we're going to fail, but God does not fail and his faithfulness to us will not fail either. He has to deal with our sin and he's going to deal with our sin, but he continues to work in us despite the fact that we are currently imperfect in our service. And that's why Paul could rejoice. He says, look, these guys are blowing it, but Jesus Christ is being preached and the word is going out and he rejoiced in that fact. And so what do we do? How do we spot the negative categories and make sure that we're in the place we want to be as disciples? First, we need to evaluate our lives to see if we have any motivation to preach the gospel. Do we have any desire to bring people to Jesus? Do we have any excitement to share with others about the Lord? Uh, you know, that's a question that each of us individually has to ask, um, you know, practically day by day. If not, if we've lost that motivation or that excitement, then we've fallen out of the realm of discipleship and we're moving into the lukewarmness of complacency. And that's not where we want to be. If that describes us, we need to get out of that place fast because our lives are being wasted before the Lord and we're not moving forward in our walk with God. Second, we need to evaluate our lives to see if we're trying to grab up glory for ourselves. Are we trying to make a name for ourselves? Are we trying to receive recognition? If so, we need to realize that God cannot share his glory that way. And we will inevitably start hurting the believers around us as we try to steal ministry from them or other Christians. While we're on this topic, like I said, you're going to encounter these sorts of Christians from time to time. We do not know the hearts of men, uh, but luckily God does know the hearts of men. And luckily, he has promised to give us discernment by his Holy Spirit to spot this kind of behavior and this kind of motivation in a person. And so the thing to do is to ask for discernment from the Lord, to ask the Lord for that protection and that wisdom and that mindset so that we can have his discernment. And so then if you see a person trying to steal Christians from other churches or if you see a, a Christian trying to gain fame for themselves or trying to prop themselves up in some carnal way, then you just need to distance yourself from that person. You don't need to attack them. You don't need to you know, bludgeon them. You just need to distance yourself from that person. God may use them. God may you know, work in spite of those shortcomings. He may use them to preach the gospel, but we do not want to be categorized with them and we do not want to be cannibalized by them. 
And so when you see that kind of behavior and you see that sort of motivation through this discernment of the Spirit, you need to distance yourself from that person. And then third, we need to evaluate our lives to see if we are only focused on our Christian friends. Are we only mindful of the people that we already know and care about? Or do we have a genuine desire to save souls from hell's fire? If we don't have that desire, the answer again is to simply ask for it. To ask the Lord to give us more of a burden for the lost, more of a love for unbelievers. We're not going to abandon our fellow Christians when the Lord gives us a burden for the lost. You know, And I think, um, I think sometimes that's a... Uh, an idea that creeps in that well, if I get you know if I if we're always reaching out to the lost, then you know I'm I'm not going to have any friends. I'm not going to have that fellowship that I desire. And you know really we should be building up the church by being ingrown all the time. And the truth is, when the Lord gives us more of a burden for the lost, He doesn't take away our love for our fellow believers, our fellow Christians. We're not going to abandon them, but we're going to be excited to bring in others from darkness to light to join us in that relationship. And so God has a specific calling for each man here today. If you want to get moving in your Christian life, then get focused on the Holy Spirit. He's the greatest motivator you could ever hope for. If we surrender ourselves to Him and if we allow Him to direct our lives, then we will find that confidence, that assurance, that excitement, that maturity, that encouragement for believers, that compassion for the lost, and all the other things that we see in the Apostle Paul and that we want for our own lives. Amen?